I, I'm a big fan of movies with little monsters in them. Horror movies. But they're movies. not monsters. What, the troll box trolls? Yeah, they're not monsters. Uh, People you are know, monsters. Yeah, morally they're not monsters, but like... Man, wow. Yeah. You're just going to make that... Man is a real monster. Yeah, but so. physically, they are repellent. They're <laughs> repellent. They got skinny little asses <laughs> in their boxes. Uh, yeah, I love monster. I love little monster, like little puppet monsters, the ghoulies. Uh, ghoulies, oh yeah, they gremlins. Ghoulies. Gremlins, of course, is like the uh, the creme de la creme of little monster movies. Looms large in your legend. Uh, well, Mac and me. Ooh. That's just one little monster. <laughs> so would ET fall in that same? He's not little enough. He doesn't have like the little monster <laughs> ant, but he's like the same size as Macame, isn't he? Part Mac of the Mac-a-me. part of the little monsters cinematic tradition is that they like to run around and giggle and and do like break things. They're like little toddlers, you know. <laughs> All right, so, so let me yeah, put, yeah. put someone did this <laughs> baby geniuses. Uh, so yeah, that's they're also monsters from hell. Yeah. Uh, little Einsteins. <laughs> the backyard again. Is there any few moments that we have left? I want to talk right down to that in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Well, Holly, this is this is your show. Sure, we're, we're all riding on your train. Uh, so oh, what's up? No, bummer Yo. for you. Okay, hello, welcome to another episode of High Level Casting. We have the whole crew, and oh we are here to. Oh, sorry, shit. We have the whole crew. You don't have to announce us. They know who we no. are. All right. All right, all right. They know who we are. If they don't, I don't care. True, My, true true fans. My <laughs> name is... Uh, uh, this is a real question. <laughs> if you had to wear a box troll box, what, yeah, that's what, what, what I was going for. Be? And I didn't uh, want to take one from the yourself. movie. I'd be potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes. Potatoes, a food that classically comes in a box. That's right. Uh, what, Back what's in the day? Uh, uh, oh no! Um, because it has to be like that, like turn of the century, like eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds. Like what yeah. was it? Um, jellied uh, eels. Jellied eels. Oh, I'd be, I'd be. 13, that seems a, a Victorian. Thirteen uh, pounders. Thirteen pounders. Cannonballs. I'd be going be, onto a ship. I, I would be biscuits. Yeah. Biscuits. Oh, yeah. Biscuits. That's a good one. That's there might actually one. already be a box troll named Biscuits, but I'll give you that one, Zach. You're a more notable Biscuits than the one I'll, from the movie. I'll be a. Yeah. Ca- <laughs> I'll be a case of Radathor, the uh, irradiated uh, sports strength that people drank in the early 1900s. Oh, okay, yeah. Until they wanna... realized it gives everyone cancer. That's the oh, secret I'll... cancer. Okay, if we're gonna go that right, I'm cocaine. Man, you just. I was can't gonna. God, you stole cancer. it from me. I was gonna pick cocaine. I'm laudanum. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Nice I thought about it. cocaine, but I was like, Radithor. The three wise men. Cocaine, Radithor, <laughs> Laudanum. I do well, love and bibli- potatoes. I, Don't forget potatoes. I love, <laughs> I love biblical names. What can I say? <laughs> the, the three gifts bring up to the baby Jesus. 
cocaine, Radathor, and potatoes. Yep. This this is the modern modern science's greatest remedy for uh, distemper and hysteria. Mm-hmm. Cocaine and the humus. Get your and humus humor. right. Yeah. Oh, I'm leeches. <laughs> All right. Oh, sorry. A hell of a drug. Let's okay. Leeches. All right. There was a film. There was so a we're here with the whole crew. We got. Uh, Leeches, cocaine, uh, <laughs> Radathor, potatoes, and if I was a box troll, my box would say uh, lockets that you keep souvenir hair in. But you can just call Ooh. me lockets for short. Rockets anyway, Hell yeah. we're here, as uh, is probably clear by now, to discuss the seminal, critically acclaimed claymation masterpiece, The Box Trolls. The the is important. I, I keep calling it box trolls. It's the notable, box trolls. oft forgot the and and box troll is one word, correct? Yes, I okay. believe so. Yes, box so. trolls is going to be the reboot name, right? That's how you delineate is the yeah. anyway. Just for a quick summary, this movie is about an indigenous culture that <laughs> practices mutual aid and communal living who is structurally oppressed by capitalism and how they use praxis and direct action to liberate themselves and also everyone else in their community is as mark said working men of the world come out of your box take your fucking <laughs> box off <laughs> run around with your bits out but yeah i'm glad set the town on fire i'm glad we're coming in running with that because this movie is yeah steeped with uh colonialist undertones as well right Especially... yeah but it's i would say that it's like fundamentally like anti-imperialist anti-capitalist mm-hmm. pro collective action yeah and it is yeah from my perspective that's what makes it the best movie made by Leica. I it's not it's certainly not the one with the most hype. Mm-hmm. I think that Korra right, is yeah. the most popular production. Uh Kubo also Kubo and the Two Strings got a lot of action because it had a pretty star studded cast. But this one it's it nice flies one. under the radar. It's extremely weird and it has a very original story and a lot of And all the best British people are in it. Yes. Yeah, right. It's a it's a it's missing a Matt Barry, but yes. It also has a notable amount of white face, which I thought was weird. Um, so there's the, I guess we, we can get into, we can start with characters. I didn't make a plan. I'm sorry. It's, I'm, it's so right. hot Don't and work. my brain we, has evaporated. We into can gas. dive through this. But Don't if we want to start, this. we can start with the villains. And there's four of them. They're referred to as the, the red hats. exterminators, the red hats. They yeah. wear red hats and red coats. And of the four, they're all, everyone in this movie is white. Of the four (laughs) voice actors of the Red Hats, three of them are people of color. (laughs) Ben Kingsley plays the Archibald Mm -hmm. Snatcher, sort of the primary Red Hat. Great Uh, performance by him, by the way. Excellent. God, just. Of course, every performance by the. Very good. He's a sir, right? He's a knight. I think so. Every performance is is golden. Yeah, you're right. Extraordinary voice acting, the way that he puts a lot of emphasis into mm-hmm. very strange parts of words really makes his voice notable. Gentlemen, look at all these boxes left lying about. How curious, how peculiar. 
I think you make a really good point uh, right out the gate with the white face, because at first you're like, all right, we're looking at a romanticized version of some sort of fictional Britain, you know, oh, some this... version of that, of the island nation. But Britain is so. Yeah, yeah. Like the island nation, Ethan, the only one. The only like one. the box trolls, like the box. trolls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm getting at? Where like yeah. all of the, you know, people on the surface, the surface dwellers, they're all white. Um, but yeah, then all still the voice... no brown people in fantasy Britain, right? But yeah, yeah, Britain because of its colonial, you know, history, its massively colonial history of the whole world, it is very multicultural now. And some of their best actors are folks that aren't white, and they got cast because of their really great ability to do their voice acting. And it's weird. And also when you think Tracy about Morgan, it. who is and also Tracy. <laughs> yep. Right. So yeah, of the four is, of the four snatchers, you got Ben Kingsley, Richard Iowati, and uh, Tracy Morgan, and then um, you also have Nick Frost, a uh, classic fave sort of pudgy, bumbling sidekick <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was weird. We don't have to talk about it any further. I just wanted to. It was bubbling to the front of my mind. So off with that other than that we've got a handful of trolls that are all named after objects that come in boxes we have specifically uh, the boxes that they are wearing yes that's thank you zach (laughs) thank you biscuits (laughs) yes box trolls who are named after the box that they wear there's a boy raised by trolls who goes by eggs and a snooty what, what would her title be like a Dauphin? No. Uh, uh, she's not Dauphin. She's not. Uh, uh, well, it depends. Is this a nation? Is this a nation? It's she's like a, a city state, right? Yeah, it's a it fairy tale like place a... where it doesn't matter. Um, well, her she's... father's her father's a she's... lord. She's the cheese heir of uh, what? Gudetin or what? Is Bridger? Cheese bridge. Oh, cheese. It's cheese just bridge. like cheese bridge. Yeah. Uh, she's the she's the Gouda heir of cheese bridge. Cheese bridge where. Cheese is the status symbol. Cheese is king. Cheese but, is uh, king. Could you say she's the Gruyere? Ooh, stop it! Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All well, right, folks, that's it. Thank you again. Joe, actually, to this <laughs> hour um, of shitty um, puns. Excuse me. We can assume that she does not claim inheritance because this is the UK and equal primogeniture. It's not followed. Her husband would be the Gruyere. Of Bridgerton or Cheese Bridge. Bridgerton is a show, right? Cheese yeah. Bridgerton. Cheese yeah. Bridgerton. Uh, only on the BBC. All right. Um, so, what did we think? What did we think of this movie? I thought I it would, was a delight, uh, a Brie delight. Ooh. I would agree that it was just very fucking weird. Um, <laughs> it, but, but that makes it like I, I like that that feeling. It reminds me a lot of James and the Giant Peach, probably because both are set in modern day UK. So they're like documentaries. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you get that dark, the twisted fairy tale. Yeah, it's dark, isn't it? it? It's pretty, I, it, it's pretty yeah. It shines a light on the, you know, the plight of the box troll community. Um, we will be having a, um, what is it? Like a play-a-thon, a Twitch stream where we play like uh, some weird 64 game for like 16 hours and we raise money for the box yeah. trolls. Um, it's going to be Chameleon Twist and Chameleon Twist 2. Gex. We're gonna play Gex, <laughs> but only Gex too, because we can't get a copy of Gex one. Gex sixty four. Uh, but no, it was really good. Uh, I'd say it's too short 
honestly. It feels like I have 80% of a movie and not like the middle is gone, maybe. That's um, uh, always the saddest part about the the stop motion is it's so labor intensive. It right, shortens yeah. the script, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think up. I mean, I'm I'm glad to watch a movie that's only like an hour and a half instead of two and a half hours. Hey Venom, what's up? But narratively i reached the point where i'm like damn there should be more movie in here but it's still i still thought it was really good i had never even heard of it before you recommend you said it's like one of your favorite movies right holly it is one of my favorite movies i love all of the all of the leica movies yeah very into claymation as a Mm -hmm. medium but Mm -hmm. i do think that box trolls is unique among the among the leica canon right yeah for being weird it's like weird and dark and slimy all it has so many textures Mm -hmm. in it and they're all gross (laughs) yeah the skin textures on their especially on their human Mm -hmm. uh sickly and amazing the the cheese physics lord the cheese physics i had a really strong mouse hunt vibes it's the decaying industry and yep. the, the sort of time period and then um, just the the rube goldberg-esque nature of a right. lot of the yeah. the, the events of the of it you're just like half of the joy of the film is just watching the animation and in action right like watching the marble set off the the domino that sets off you know the flames eventually at the end and right. the explosions but no it was great it it's a little like, steampunk actually i guess yeah it's, yeah it's it is it's it's crusty steampunk it's mm. uh, yeah rusted <laughs> steam crust it felt like a, a very oddly woke kids film because you were saying the four like evil characters well i i would actually like or bad um i would actually i would counter say that there's really only one and that the others like they're constantly at least two of them one it may just be clinically insane um and that is tracy morgan's character very well cast yeah uh, he's, he's a weird but, little like <laughs> weird little gremlin goblin dude. man yeah. but, uh, <laughs> a nerve the me. the other two they're constantly having like monologue debates where they're like we're still we're the, the good guys know, the right? virtuous we're the good guys right, right? i'm right. still at like 60 to 70 percent sure that we're the good they're constantly questioning themselves and it's like i'm not a stooge like but then he's like am i like right and, you know like he's like am i like it's god dang. It's, so i don't know i it's very I, on the face yeah mm-hmm. uh there's lots of fits. moments like that throughout where i just found myself um as well as just very well-timed like comedic moments uh it you know it's like where can i find him kurt's way well like how do i get there well milk turns into it and oh it my hands God. up and it's like milk that was a pretty road. good like, that was they, pretty, i was like oh man be a lot. Well, like the rim shot right after that joke just <laughs> actually killed me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah where where it was the one-man band just dropping you know <laughs> Like a sindel. There's some pretty good, yeah, just like this. That's the name of the joke uh, moments in this movie. Yeah. The talking about the discussion of evil, I want to get back into that later. Someone remind me. It fits perfectly into Holly's already stated theme of the film. Before we segue into like the heart of the problem of evil later, right? We have a couple veins, right? We have the characters themselves, what they're doing. We got eggs and uh, living through an adoptive family. He's the box baby. He's a box baby. Um, and it's a reveal in the movie that like, oh, my God, the box trolls have a box baby living with them. That's important. And you're just and like, we see that they're all raising him together mm-hmm. as a commune. They gave him a box and it's it's charming. Yeah. And the he's first, got fish as his guardian. It's like they his, are a uh, gender sign. neutral zero waste commune. Exactly. Yeah. They're 
they are they are the uh what is it called like the seattle colony or whatever the, uh, uh, oh yeah the chaz yeah if it worked and was in a sewer it's not a utopia is. they're not without conflict they have internal conflict they have external conflict and that they mm-hmm. have to steal things from the above world in order to, for their recycled commune to wait, function. Wait. So should we uh should we frame this discussion in like the uh the terms of like troll versus troll, troll versus nature, <laughs> troll, troll versus, versus self. Man. <laughs> troll yeah. versus man. They're troll. all here. They're all here. Troll versus self, troll versus nature. Troll versus nature is the climax of the film. Mhm. It's true. And troll versus yeah. self is eggs uh, realizing that he's not a troll, but yeah, by the end of the a film, crisis of identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. full of crisis. But then of we realize, the, yeah, identity doesn't have to be. A well, why don't you just get in your box then? Can't you just like slink into it? And he's like, not right now, man. I'm long limbed. <laughs> I think it's fun in that through the film, which is you know, it's got that that storybook traditional like here's the the fish out of water character that eggs is where he's having to go into the human world and it gives them a very nice uh, way normally it's like the fish out of water is like a human going into the magic world right where they're like oh this is how wizards work and wizards are goblins and boy don't read into that too much um you know problems of like mythical characters and what race they're like allegorically tied to right and I think this film does the inverse where it's having a, a human go back to the human world and realize how fucked up it is. Right. And so uh, you have this, this commune where they're struggling to find resources. That's their biggest internal struggle because they can't, they can't produce. They must, uh, uh, because of their oppression, they have to subsist on the trash from above and steal and, and earn this bad reputation for like, you know, baby eaters. But then once they once you go up uh, to the surface world and you see that the leadership is just obsessed with cheese more so than the leader mm-hmm. being so obsessed. I, my favorite my favorite joke in the film is um, what is it? The behemoth where they're like, we were going to spend this money on a children's hospital, but we <laughs> bought this giant wheel of brie instead. Let's we thought, party. It, we thought it would be better suited for this. <laughs> it would be better suited for this. And so it's just like. I don't know. I like that that little inverse where it's like normally it's the the child going into the magical world like Oz, right? Return to Oz where you're seeing like, oh, I'm going to go and it's an isekai. And, yeah. But <laughs> it's an isekai, but the but the isekai is is our down world. Down below, baby. Sweet you, isekai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of movies recently and I really like this genre. That's like I would call it a modern comedy of errors where mm-hmm. It just focuses on the degeneracy and like flippance of the ruling class. Uh, Yay. The, the favorite is a good example where a lot of the content is just like watching normal people either suffer or live in squalor and then watching the decadence of the rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's usually historical because they won't do it now. Um, <laughs> so it's why. like they'll look at like Victorian England and they're all busy like in the favorite throwing eggs at a clown who has stripped himself naked, having duck races, eating cake, vomiting, and then eating more cake. Uh, This movie is full of that, right? We get an extended sequence of of a dance where they're all just eating cheese. And and it's very comedic in a way. Uh, This film is very sort of on the nose with all of its metaphors, right? The Brehemoth is a good example where he just says, we could have used this to make a children's hospital, but instead we made a big cheese. 
It's great. I think I kind I of set it. that up right at the beginning, sort of in the opening <laughs> sequence. Archibald Love Snatcher tea. comes into breaks into the house of the like Lord Cheesemeister. What's his name? Portly Rind, Lord Portly Rind, busts the doors open and he says, the box trolls have stolen a baby. And Portly Rind is like, "Mm, I guess. And then immediately Archibald Snatcher says, next they'll come for the cheese. And that's what incites this panic that allows Archibald Snatcher to develop so much power in the community. And so immediately right off, like in the first five minutes, they sort of establish the rule in this universe that, you know, children are of equal value to cheese. <laughs> and they sort of yeah, uphold part, that lore yeah. very clearly for the whole movie. And I think that you're right, both Ethan and Zach, to point out that it is a little, it is on the nose. It is sort of blatantly woke, but also self-aware about right, yeah, those aspects it of its storytelling. And I think that you're also right, Ethan, to compare it to James and the Giant Peach. I think that there's a lot of things about this storytelling that are reminiscent of Roald Dahl stories. I think that there's a lot in Roald mm-hmm. Dahl's writing and the movies that have been made out of his writing that are sort of overtly moral. They have mm-hmm. a very clear moral objective, but they're not hiding it. They're not trying to sugarcoat it or to dumb it down for children's consumption. They're you know, making it very plain that the reason that the story is being told is for a moral purpose. It's functionally a parable, but mm-hmm. it's also sort of charming and self-aware enough to not feel to not make you feel like the storyteller thinks that you're an idiot. And I think that that's part of what I find so appealing about it. I think a lot of movies that I'm really drawn to have strong world building. There's not a lot of hand-holding. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of self-awareness and um, there's also significant criticism of systems. Yay. <laughs> right. That's my wheelhouse. I do love how because so many of the jokes are on the nose and they're like dad jokes that are that have taken cartoon form and they're wonderful. But I do love that, like, once you get past how like glaringly obvious some of the metaphors are, I I think my favorite thing about the film was Snatcher's obsession with becoming a white hat and getting a Mm -hmm. white hat and like he's a striver for class mobility, just like our friend uh, from Mouse Hunt. Oh, hey. I was going to say, just like, just like Lou Bloom from Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. like he's yeah, the man. same thing. He's like, I'm going to do this cruel thing yeah. so I can get on top, even uh, though it will destroy him. Yeah. The Munts brothers from Mouse uh, Hunt, same problem where they were trying yeah. to, to sell the house so that they could get this class mobility <laughs> and like right. basically willing to destroy like anything around them in order to do it. And in the end, if you're not already part of the ruling subculture, being accepted into the ruling subculture it would be incredibly like difficult and probably not capable of being done in your lifetime. It would have to be like mm-hmm. your children's children that are raised in it. But that's not what Snatcher's about. Snatcher's for Snatcher. And it, uh, yes, right. He wants he, to be on the top. Part of the big fun of this film for me is that he's horribly, horribly allergic to cheese and, yeah. and, and lactose. It's a metaphor. He, right? The thing he wants the most will destroy him and turn yep. him into a hideous monster. Hideous monster. Um, and they give him what he wants at the end, right? Like he finally yes. gets the cheese and he gets that super dope cheese that's like i can't remember what it was described it as was, it was it was from a male bat. yeah a male a male lactating, lactating bat, bat. Oh, <laughs> and it's been fermenting for like so many years 120 years far longer than you ferment any yeah. right it's uh, just it's effectively poison at this point 
and when, shut up, let me have it. He right? <laughs> and he's already mutated into this grotesque monster, which is really what he looks on the inside. I do. Right? I exactly. do really love he's the he, where he and then he explodes. He, well, explodes. he explodes. He eats it. He eats it, and then he literally copies Mister Mister Trout. That's his name, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, one yeah. of the henchmen. He yeah. he literally oh, verbatim like copies him because it was like the most eloquent like description that he couldn't come up with, and he's like, oh, and it's like, but it's a completely different cheese. So I I just thought, and then he exploded, obviously, but you know. I think that there's it's interesting that there are so many ways in which Archibald Snatcher's character is made a monster. I think, out honestly, out of all the characters in this movie, he's sort of the most fully fleshed out, mm-hmm. uh, or he has he has the most character depth. You know, we see the persona that he shows to the ruling class in order to attempt to mm-hmm. like engender their favor, which we know is like a false persona versus like the real him that we see in private. We see the way that he's um, he's monstrous towards his henchmen who are kind of like his family they're like the only people who are willing to like be in his presence Mm -hmm. um we see his physical monstrosity when he has his cheese allergy which we see at the very end of the movie and also there's a a very good scene in the middle where he does this sort of performative like dress for the job that you want not the job you have where he like forces all of his henchmen to get together and eat like very low-grade cheese and sort of similar they call the cheese bits Cargo cult uh, cheese camaraderie. Yeah, rise I, and grind. I think it's also interesting, too, that when he does eat the cheese, he acts like an abusive alcoholic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, it gets to his head first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he has, like, hallucinations. And he's, I mean, and the, the cheese is almost like a drug, like... To, to even like the whole town really because like it it, it has the the elites like bought you know wrapped around like cheese is everything to them it's all they can think about it's all that they want he can't have it but he has to have it like, i wonder what cheese is a metaphor for guys it's, yeah it's getting getting cheddar getting <laughs> cheddar it's the money it's the capital i believe uh, i believe it was marx that said dairy is the opium of the people yeah the capital opens with 200 pages on the production of cheese. Like, uh, no, it's not. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a. Uh, it's Lynn's no one. Shirt. None of not one of our listeners has read Capital. Uh, they have not had the means. But anyway, uh, they gotta yeah. seize those means, Doc. They gotta seize it. They gotta seize it. But um, cheese is very much a a solid, uh, discreet metaphor for. I do have a, a quick aside question for you folks. Why is it that strivers? Or people that want class mobility, right? Right. They're 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 the villains of so many films, right? They're the they're Uh the ones that are trying to traverse into a realm that is not theirs, right? Like they weren't born into wealth, they want it, but they want to get there and they're willing to do anything to do it. It's the means, it's the anything, right? Right. Like that's that's the well, and that's what's it makes me think of a comic I recently saw. It was like a one-panel comic where it was just like, how did uh how did you get all your wealth? And you're like, oh, my great great grandfather fought for it and won. And then like the person's like, well, all right, let's fight, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that. Good. That's an uh, interesting point, Jeremy, because I feel like there, you know, when we think about sort of our contemporary understanding of class consciousness and like what it means to traverse class or fight against class, it it would seem like it's a little unkind to demonize 
people who strive to Mm -hmm. ascend through the classes because that is what capitalism sells us. And I think that you're right, Zach, also to point out that like, it's the means, it's what are you willing to do? And in this case, you know, Archibald Snatcher is willing to abduct a baby. He's willing to perpetuate and kidnap like an inventor and and an important sort of town figure. He's willing to exterminate like an entire species. Um, He's only after enslaving them first to get willing to dress up as uh, he's willing to like become a drag queen and like perform Mm -hmm. for and which that felt like like, such a weird like he's got he's got the whole town turn uh with his with his performance Mm. it's that classic british humor but anyway right to get to the actual yeah right god damn so i think that like i understand jeremy your your criticism of that um, that placement of of him and his class driving as villainous, but I think that if we look at this movie with like an abolitionist lens, oh yeah, you know the the premise of abolition thinking is like we have to imagine that another world is possible. We have to exactly. imagine that something else exists right. outside of the structure that we know. And this movie presents the box trolls and the society that they have constructed for themselves as exactly that thing. Mm -hmm. It's already fully functional. It's self-sustainable because it's, you know, zero waste. It's It's communal. It, you know, has a lot of structures in place to allow for the collective growth of everyone. And like everyone has a role, everybody has a place. And so I think that in that context, it makes it appropriate to represent, you know, here is the other solution. It's already here. People are already practicing it. Here is someone who, instead of thinking, you know, another world is possible, what could be better than the way that the structure is oppressing me, and instead desires mm-hmm. to oppress others yeah. for their own personal gain. I think, too, that there's always like the implication, right? Like if you take it a step further where Snatcher's trying to become like one of the lords, he wants to have like everything that they have. He wants the respect. He wants the wealth. He wants the status. And I think for me, like one of the things that's always often left out of these narratives is the fact that what's uh, what was it? Lord pork rind. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, oh <laughs> fuck uh, no you got it jeremy got it, it. It's, it's, don. Qui- it's don quixote he looks like it's don quixote and his design yeah his design lord portly amazing well like but i like pork rind right no that's every time they said it i'm like that's pork rind to me baby um <laughs> but there's always the implication in the narrative in the history right that if you really zoom this out to like generational level that like Somewhere in like Lord uh, Portly Ryan's past, there was a snatcher that get granted him snat- status by like breaking and killing and bending all the uh, rules, all that stuff. And then his his children were able to reap the rewards and the benefits of it. And I think it just for me, it's like the cycle of uh, it's kind of a cycle of violence, a cycle of <laughs> almost <laughs> said snatus. Oh god, <laughs> they're looking for like, snatus. Like- a uh, cycle of snatching. A cycle of snatching. Well, no, seriously, yeah. it is. But like snatching and cheesing. Snake stuff. If if only we were in charge, things would be different. And then within a few generations, it's the same. And that's why I think going back to your point, Holly, it, it being able to imagine a different world where making a better future for yourself isn't just, you know, like stepping on everyone in your way for you and your kids, you know, but eventually like trying to build a community that actually values every participant and like recognizes that. Oh, 
Let's I see. think that's I think that's an interesting assessment. I do think that you're giving the narrative maybe a little too much credit uh, because I don't I think that, you know, Lord Portly Rind, he didn't want anything for his children. It was clear that, like, he didn't even think about his child. That's sort of a main. Oh, a, yeah. Like, he's like, like he he's forgets earning, that he has a child at all. Earn and right. cheat. He's got a wife. Well, he inherited in it his for like status. fifteen his, seconds. Like, like my my assumption is that he inherited his status from like you know from some great great grandfather that was like a warlord or something that took like power at some point. Yeah, I sort of presume that it was like a you know God granted he, me this cheese maybe. sort of scenario. That's always what they say after, like, right? <laughs> like King Louis. Mm-hmm. They got that divine right of kings, baby. The divine right of cheese. Well, I feel like this is as good a time as any to transition into uh, Ethan's desired topic of the nature of good and evil. So why don't you just go for it, Ethan? Just just oh, kick it right you, off. Yeah, you yeah. And at the right time, because my audio just died and picked up, and then you said my name. All right. <laughs> so um, we need to look at two things. First of all, if we want to look at this as a class narrative, you need to identify the classes. First of all, the folk, like the common people in this narrative aren't really people they are the mob and this is where i think it fails as a class narrative if it was a true like marxist class narrative the common people in the box trolls would have teamed up at the end um mm-hmm. and and overthrew the like we see the no hat society in the end but uh we don't see the integration uh so you got the white hats of course the ruling class the capitalists they control everything very literally they have the uh the surplus value of the entire town sitting on their table and they snack on it nightly and they can't help but talk about like their 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 society is completely built on conspicuous consumption they can't even talk about actual governance in lieu of talking about how delicious the cheese is you have the proles the proletariat the underclass that's the box trolls they are the working class not even they're more of the uh oh shit i can't remember the phrase um they're like the basically the underclass. They are yeah. the, they they are a class the of classless people. Yeah. Well, no, there's a specific Marxist term for it, which I can't remember right now. But anyway, the red hats are the middle class, and ultimately, this as well as many other things is a middle class narrative, because our media um, is articulated for a middle class audience. Because in America, we're all taught that we're middle class, and for middle class, the strive is the ultimate goal, right? For middle class, the idea is like, if you work hard enough, you will become successful or sustainable. This narrative tells you that you're not working class or lower class. It pretends it doesn't exist. It says that everyone's middle class. That's the the fantasy of the American dream. That's the illusion. The morality that plays out in this film is very important, both in the class narrative and in the colonialist narratives of the past. Uh, It's very on the nose here in that, first of all, the henchmen, um, so they are like the workers for for Snatcher's managerial uh, status. Snatcher is a manager that has convinced himself he's important. Uh, And that way he's like Lou Bloom, right? He's not not an owner. Uh, He's still a worker, but he thinks he's important because he can lord himself over others. Uh, So let's talk about Snatcher first. Um, He says very distinctively, multiple times through the film that it's like it's okay to exterminate box trolls or to catch them because their nature is to be evil um he says many times like you can't go against you can't go against their nature 
this is a boiling down of the colonialist narratives against the indigenous people, the autochthonous people. It's like, oh, well, slavery is a terrible, unsightly thing, but they can't go against their nature. They need to be civilized, right? That's, it gives that like a full like, manifest destiny speech. Exactly. In the middle, yeah, right? yeah. Um, He's like, and, man can strive to be better. Right. And like that is just disgusting pests. Mm hmm. It's yeah, it's it's really on the nose. And so, like, if you look in American history, in colonialist history, it's not like, all right, bear with me. It's, it's not like slave owners were just like comically villainous people. Right. They were they were terrible people doing terrible things. But in their philosophy, in the writing, there are a lot of slave owners that were like, slavery is a disgusting, horrible thing. I bear not look at it. However, our society requires it. And so I will perpetrate it forever on. And this is the colonialist mindset, the idea that there is no other world, that like we need to uphold these systems because it's the only way for our world to function. And so that is sort of the operating that the middle class, the red hats are working on. And it's funny because the the goons, right? And they're very much goons in this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. They're like, again, there's this thing in fairy tale movies where there's like British goblin people. That's what I'll call it. Like they all look like weird monsters, even though they're ostensibly people. Whereas the real people are like human looking. Anyway, they are constantly on the nose debating the morality of what they're doing. Right. And it's like, I think we're about 80 percent uh the good guys here. And that's it. That's them questioning the system that they're in. But they realize, well, it's like, if I don't follow the system. I'm going to be I'm going to be down here in the sewers with the box trolls. Exactly. Uh, getting my heart eaten out. On the other side, too, we see how this morality narrative is used against Mr. Snatcher mm -hmm. in the in that second meeting scene where he comes into the White Hats. And they talk about, well, like, okay, yes, if you do this deed, we'll give you a hat. But that's not what being a white hat's about. White hats are earned through what? And then they go down the way and they're like, honor, uh, duty. And then a guy breaks the veil and says, I made a lot of money. Yep. Uh, and so that's, that's a great line. It, right. And so the class morality thing, especially in this time, it's not as much now, but especially in like when monarchs were a thing. The idea was that, like, these monarchs are monarchs by divine rights. God gave them this ability to rule over others. So even if they're terrible people, you have to realize that, like, mm -hmm. the inbred Prince Charles or whatever is the not nothing new. Prince divine Charles. right, baby. Yeah, it's like this is the path that God has staked out for us. It was re made religious. Even if it's misshapen world. now, it's still God's path. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like the peasants have no philosophical basis of questioning that hell they can't read and so we're seeing that colonialist pre-modern narrative play out in this movie which i really liked i, uh, I pre-modern early modern i suppose i love how that narrative is also like personified in the fact that the box trolls through like 80 percent of the movie like all they know and all they can do is hide and run like that's exactly that's, yeah. that's their only the only ability that they are afforded that's the only success they have ever known is just not to be seen at all if they are seen to run and if they are seen maybe still hiding is best even if it you end up at the bottom of a box crusher right which which yeah and it I, feels I, notable especially because it's made clear throughout the movie that like they're engineers they're very successful yeah. and capable yeah engineers they engineered their entire sort of underground like electronic and 
travel system, their waterways, like fully mm -hmm. engineered by them. The reason that they're being kidnapped by Snatcher is to do engineering work. So the idea that they're presented <laughs> to... and known as like, oh, they can only run, they can only hide, they're not going to resist, we can like, you know, shoot them all like clay pigeons mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, I guess it's because they are they refuse to use their engineering capacity for violence they're yeah. non-violent right it's not part of their their culture is yeah uh explicitly non-violent and and what do they what does snatcher have them build a giant robot or another term for it is a <laughs> weapon of mass destruction yeah right? a gundam we're gonna give snatcher a gundam i was i was thinking like a brassy evangelion yeah, you gotta get you gotta get in the mech you gotta get in the mech, Snatcher. Steampunk Gellion. Yeah, uh the the box trolls are a non-violent society in as much as we can see. Uh however, they have certain cultural traits. They only come out at night. In Mostly. their current state, they they require uh they require taking the garbage of, of the, the upper world. Anyway, they have Don't certain they... cultural traits that can be taken by the dominant colonizer and reworked into a morality play of deprivation, right? These are monsters that come out of night to, to very graphically uh, make rivers of blood and bone from your babies. The Lusitania moment of this entire film uh, is a completely constructed moral crisis of a baby being stolen and presumably eaten by the box trolls when we realize that Snatcher is the one who did all of it in the first place. Ooh, it's good stuff. It's, I, uh, I, I love to imagine at this moment, like I hadn't before, but like pre-colonialism box trolls, there's just this small hunter-gatherer society of like, you know. They're like the, they'd be like the fraggles, basically. Yeah, like they'd be... This cave mountain where they just like I don't know what they do if they didn't have the technology did they tinker before Who maybe knows? they'd be the probably making uh, you know like levers and pulleys you know yeah yeah they got like a little elevator system mm -hmm. in their little fraggle mountain mm -hmm. uh, that'd be cool yeah uh, I guess this leads uh, to sort of like what are the the questions that we have about the lore like you know when did the box <laughs> trolls become the villains was it like was there a villainous narrative before the baby snatching mm -hmm. incident how did eggs learn to speak english is my primary question yeah i was like oh this this has, this has a very like essentialist view of language but also, then i realized what would have been clever is if he spoke italian because he picked it up from that uh record <laughs> that would be right? great that would have been pretty cute um, that also ties into jungle to jungle a little bit with uh what's <laughs> it <laughs> yeah 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 throwback as an anthropologist another interesting thing about this movie is we do see we do see like interesting things about the box troll culture including their uh concept of nudity in every society nudity is a different thing different societies regard when someone is naked and by naked you mean like socially embarrassing or an embarrassed state in different ways uh in mm -hmm. japan when you're in the hot spring like everyone is comfortable being naked around one another uh, sometimes in a mixed gender setting. In box troll society, uh, even though baby eggs is fully clothed, when he loses his box, they all lose their shit, right? Because he's naked and like, maybe maybe also there's the idea that he's vulnerable too. Like these are their shells that they can hide in. And so that he's like, he's lost that important part of him, even though he's got clothes on underneath. And so then they put the box on and he's fine. Is it the a loss of identity? Of these boxes are astounding. Like... Because um, right. I remember, I remember one of my first thoughts was I was like, "Oh, this is really cool," but like, 
I wonder when they were going down the 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 slide and then like going into the conveyor belts and all. And I was like, I was like, man, I wonder how often they have to swap out boxes. And then we but, proceed to see like no, he got his one box over ten he got years. One box. Like, yep. Have one the fish box. That's your yeah. name. <laughs> Fish's box. You can see like parts where it's like patched and stitched, which and even and even is. after the boxes were crushed. They weren't really. Cru- they were just like unfolded. Well, like, shit, man, maybe, maybe in this like deep lore, their boxes are their power because they're not regular boxes. I don't know. I, I was know. gonna make a joke before I watched this movie at all. I was like, okay, my my joke intro to this uh, recording would be like, uh, we learn about box trolls. Maybe they're part <laughs> box. Maybe they live in boxes. We don't know. But actually. What a box troll is is very important in this movie. As in the troll in relation to their box is like all of that's answered. We have no questions there. They're not part box, uh, but but spiritually. Well, let's well, like let's really get dig into the box for a second because by the end of the film, there are box trolls that no longer wear their boxes. So why were they wearing boxes? Because it's the way they hide, right? It's yeah. the way that they hide and it's the way they survive at being part of the underclass, being by, part of the underclass. Showing and themselves so, as garbage. And so what's happening is whenever Eggs loses his box and they all lose their shit is that means death. Your inability to hide means that you're not going to last very long. You're going to get spotted. You're going to die. And so I don't think it's embarrassment. I think it's fear. And so like, it makes me wonder then pre-colonialism, pre, pre-box society, what were the trolls like? How did they, because it becomes, it's interesting because it's all even part of their identity to the point where like, you know, it's, it's your name, the picture that you got, but I still think it's funny that they call themselves the English word for the picture they got, but it's a kid's movie. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, my boy, my boy can speak fluent English. Suspend your uh, disbelief. By the time he's, Suspend by the time your he's disbelief, baby. I wonder if there's like, or whatever. if there's like regional variants bro. and there's like barrel trolls. Or um, that would be a know. good one. That would be. I like, love this cool. idea. Then they, cool. you could have you could have a lot of rolling uh, go on. Oh wait, you could have a sequel called Barrel Trolls, and it's like in like the American <laughs> colonialism. You know, I was, like, saying, think, I was thinking it would be in like Bavaria. Oh, I was thinking a nautical theme. Like we're we're going to Tortuga, baby. Pirate uh, trolls. We're putting, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's hell there, yeah. What's oh, putting them barrels on shit. I'm thinking of like another. That would option. no. That would be great Master because they're all stowaways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our far side of the Gouda. Beat to boxes. <laughs> my my troll boxes. Huh? <laughs> no trolls. But no, they're stowaways. It would be perfect. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's ooh ooh. Amazing. Uh, we we haven't talked about my favorite character in the movie yet, which is uh, Winnie, the the girl. So she's your okay. favorite character. She's like oh, my yeah. favorite. Character. Oh no, I fucking when love Winnie her. Got introduced is the moment that I started thinking, okay, what the fuck? Like, also, also, doesn't she have like a a, a masochist streak going on there? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. So here, let me let me work up to it. First Jump of all, I your love, favorite character. I love I love her blotchy face. I love that that design choice they made. It's great. I love uh, who's the voice actor? Elle Fanning, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Classic, classic Miyazaki worker, L. Fanning. Um, I love her strangely adult woman voice for a child. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And then, yes, as you bring up, Jeremy, her weird, I would say almost uh, her, her absurd fascination with like 
the dreadful. I, at first, I was like, ooh, this is weird. But then I realized, no, she's just like obsessed with with stories well, of murder prime, and mayhem. Like prime Rob. showcase of it, right? Ethan is when she finally makes it into the troll uh, hub. And she's like, I was promised that there would be rivers yeah. of blood. Like She's a hot topic favorite. girl for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> like pretty hot topic. But yeah, she's wearing like a pink Mary, dress. She's like Mary she Shelley. She's she's there by candlelight, right in Frankenstein, right? She's obsessed with like graveyards and ghouls. Uh because she has this very like static life where she's yeah, she's just a it she's also hardly seems like a, a product of parental neglect. Like she's exactly, constantly right. fan- fantasizing about a dangerous scenario that would What's- engender her parents' care. <laughs> weird to me is that like her mother is not even a character in this movie she shows up twice in one it's a joke because her husband uh lord 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 penderbradge is uh <laughs> pender cheese uh is is n- like cat calling madame frou-frou who is a <laughs> drag yep. queen persona of mr snatcher right in front of her his his wife and she's he like goes, yes he's like yeah right she's like right. angry about it uh and then she shows up at the party so like uh, Winnie has these lines with eggs where they're talking about, well, a father is supposed to be this, right? So, right, eggs is ostensibly an orphan. We learn later that's not the case, really. But, well, anyway, she's like, a father is someone who cares for you, who looks after you. Um, basically, it's the setup that, like, her relationship with her father is very distant and not parental. She never talks about her mother at all. <laughs> her mother is not even a part of that formulation and just sort of disappears after, after the the party scene. I also want to say she has the best line in the movie, which is when she's in the box trolls cave and she, she resigns to her fate and she says, go ahead, eat me. I'm sure I'm delicious. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) She's ready. She's like, all right, I got to see this. I got to see this close up at least. This is uh, this is what I've been waiting for. Some, uh, some, she's a goddamn hero. Yeah, even if it's my death, it's like at least I die in a way that a penny dreadful would would play out, <laughs> and not of like hysteria when I'm 18 and being wed to a, an ancient, decrepit lord of another mountain country where the barrel trolls live, who smells <laughs> yeah. like cheese. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, like decadent no, it's, cheese. It's it's the butter. It's the butter mountain town, and it's oh, it's Bavarian okay. themed, and it's like they're all they're all wearing the Kaiser pointy pointy helmets and stuff. Excellent. Anyway, I, uh, I did think she's my was, favorite character. I love her so much. I did think it was interesting, or not interesting, kind of odd in my mind when Ugh. she was bringing him to the party where the giant brie wheel got uh, revealed. And she's like basically like dressing him up to make him look like proper, formal, normal. And then uh, like this this is how you shake your hands. Like this is what you say. Like basically trying to make him seem normal. But and it's like, but aren't you trying to introduce this child who's been raised by box trolls and you're trying to sell this? like to to just turn him into any other boy like it just seems like a weird like plot structure device of sorts but it it played out well because of him like running around like introducing himself i thought that was pretty pretty comedy of errors indeed yeah Yeah, i guess that's a good point Zach, is that you would want him to be like as feral as possible if you're trying right. to convince people mm. that he was raised in the sewer by trolls. I do love how he like 
ate a bug while he was eating cheese. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, he put it on his little, little bug. They, oh, they spat all the cheese out because he realized it was, was a faux the, pas. That, was the that is, is, like, is very jungle to jungle with my boy uh-huh. Mimi Siku eating Mimi cat Siku. food. Right? Mimi Siku eating cat food uh, in, the, in, the, in the fine dining party. Comedy of errors. It's great. I all think the Americans love in this it. This movie is very good. I think it that is. there's like yes. there are times where, especially in contemporary animated movies like the Minions movies and and like Secret Life of Pets or whatever, where the slapstick feels insulting because there's not really mm-hmm. anything else there. It's just sort of like this is the lowest grade comedy that we can possibly give you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it is about this movie. It feels like not sophisticated but like at least at <laughs> the, least there the, was thought the, put into it, it no exactly much- the, the, the slapstick is always in the service of forwarding the plot like there yeah. it, it never distracts it's always and moving you forward much like mouse hunt the vaudevillian setting of everything just makes it feel classy i think mm-hmm. right it's it's so for me you mentioned the minions like so one of the I think the emotional and, and also narrative climax of the movie is when we think all the box trolls have been killed, literally killed, murdered, squashed. But then it shows that they have been hiding by coming out of their boxes. And we get this scene where a swarm of literally naked box trolls, uh, we see their skinny little butts um, and, and, and very clever Austin Powers style, like uh, <laughs> framing where you can't right. see their, their privates. Um, anyway, so again, tying into the naked thing, that's when they decide that like, okay, we need to shed our shed our boxes to, to survive, to help our friend. But anyway, I was thinking of like a, an awful uh, Minions movie where like surely there is a Minion butt gag, right? There's like the naked Minion and his butt. Oh, there definitely is. There. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right? But it's just like, oh my God, that's a butt. That's funny. In this movie that happens, but it is like, the most important part of the movie, right, is a very important, like, a narrative done. point. What? Yeah, like, it mm. happens for a reason. Um, Gentlemen, the only thing that you have to lose are your boxes. Exactly. <laughs> Come out of your box. Oh, man. I hadn't even thought about how heavy-handed it is to be like, they were put into boxes by the people who were creating pejorative narratives about them and mm-hmm. they like left their stereotype behind in order to create radical change. Yeah, right. Now I'm upset. This is this is much like Gremlins, this is a tale of revolution. Um, Truly. It is. Unlike Gremlins, it's one that's ultimately successful as far as we can tell. The lumpen it, proletariat is that the word you were looking that, for? The lumpen, the lumpen. Thank you so much. Yes, they're the lumpen pro. Well, yeah, yeah, they're not Exactly the lumpen prole, but yeah, I was looking for lumpen proletariat. Thank you. <laughs> the box trolls are more like the lumpen proletariat than the actual proletariat, but it's not a, a one-to-one correspondent. I do think it's interesting, you know, like by the end of the film, you have the storybook, uh, Everyone's Friends. The moment that our uh, antagonist is exploded in a, in a fine dairy mist. And once he is gone, the uh, box trolls can all like find their place. There could be ones that like go underground. There are some that still wear their boxes, I think. Right. And then there were there were ones that wear clothes and um, had like jobs with like other people in society. And then the white hats were all in the trash. Right. So this is a very utopian like, ending. Garbage. Yep. And so it's the Marxist dream, isn't it? 
Like this is, this uh, is the social. <laughs> not enough. Not enough trains. We need um, more trains. Well, but I mean, trains would be for going elsewhere. But as far as we know, there isn't an elsewhere. There, well, there was I, a train for, that came into right. town, wasn't it? This is a for Borneo, I guess. On the bridge? No, there wasn't. It was. I, don't uh, think, I didn't see any trains. There was movie. a bridge. That's something I'm usually which, looking for. Which the bridge, you know, implies that there's trade. Vehicular. <laughs> there's an outside. Where, well, no, you got to get right. to the fields where the cows are. That's where the cheese comes from. It's a particularly uh, established industrial society for one that should be primarily agrarian. We don't see any farmers. Who is who's milking these cows? The real proletariat. Maybe the cows milk themselves. Well, that's the thing is like cheese's status, right? So like <laughs> cheese's status, baby. It's a rare thing, baby. So I wanted to kind of double back while I'm remembering it. I want to go back to the you're referencing the red hats as like middle class. Mm-hmm. And uh, a thought like and I just wanted to bring bring this up because a thought that I had like in while watching the movie is that I don't necessarily view them as middle class because it's only those only those four people um Mm -hmm. there's a there's a whole town like that are not associated with red hats in any fashion i just think that he he being snatcher has enforced his henchmen to follow along with him in his delusional plight to get a white hat he created his own sense of title with red hats um right and like kind of that's a good point Ooh, like yeah. kind of like and he, he kind of like monopolized hat. it so like you don't mm-hmm. see anyone else in the town like be wearing a red hat wanting a red hat i don't think anyone actually would want to because they as mentioned they're viewed as henchmen and like it's not a good look and i don't know if that 100 percent like goes against like what you were mentioning earlier but uh, that was just my immediate thought on on the whole hat thing because well, that seemed yeah. more of a thing out of jealousy and desire that he 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 made the red hat and it's not really indicative of well, uh, social the red, status. The red hat and the the middle class characterization aren't a one to one correspondence. More so mm-hmm. that how we see them conveying themselves in the society is like they're trying to establish a means by which they enter the sure. the upper class that's what i would say is middle class they do have lumpen characteristics but i would say they're middle class Ooh. before we move away from from the red hats i do really want to point out that it makes me think of uh the color shirts and various forms of history during <laughs> rise of fascism uh, yeah. oh no you have the brown shirts the brown and the black shirts. shirts the red hats it, it definitely gives me those vibes because by the end do you think that Snatcher was just going to peacefully be uh, one of the white hats or did he want to be the only white hat? Like but By the end, yeah, he's taking his hat by force. He he's taking the hat by force and he's taking author- power by force. I got he's a gonna... mech, baby. Yeah, exactly. So like, this is definitely, they're like a little mini working political party is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Baby. Oh, a political party of one plus a robot, which is all you need. In the night speaking I, one of my favorite one of my favorite um lines was he's he's like everything that i've worked so hard for is fall like coming undone and he's like don't you mean weak and he's just it's just again one of those very like light bulb it's like the henchmen are just like no man like you're we're, we're not on the same page like I, I just think those little interactions and they're mostly mi- the mr trout who is uh 
is it trout or is i keep questioning that uh because i think i keep seeing frost is maybe that's the actor's name but uh yeah, nick frost nick, is nick frost yeah that's it's, it it's, yeah. it's mr trout which is a beautiful yeah. james and the giant peaches name i find it mr. really trout, funny that mr. all Pickles of the characters the are food-based like, outside of goblin, like very random <laughs> like you know uh shoes um or like some fragile but like everything else is all food based even like port uh mr gristle yeah mr oh, gristle yeah, you know like gristle yeah. pickles and trout yeah it's like a it song it's like a song from a musical it's a pub song <laughs> which there is there's a musical there's a musical number in this movie i didn't think it was very good oh that's right it's it's the drag number that yeah. Archibald Snatcher sings. <laughs> exactly. What is his accent? French, Russian? It, oh, he it, says it's she's like... from Czechoslovakia. Does she? Is I think he? so. In the very beginning, he's like oh, from the long lost land of Czechoslovakia. Oh no! Right. <laughs> I think Peru. yeah. I think it's supposed to be French, but it's vaguely foreign. Which it makes is, sense. Yeah, it's foreign. Mm. I will European say. Foreign. I can't say if I was shocked, but okay. When you saw Madame Frufru come out the first time, come back to when you watched the movie, did you know it was Mr. Snatcher? I think okay. so. I think I either, I would have been shocked if it it's had turned out shape. that like, it was like, oh, right. this and is his teeth, sister or something. Yeah, but that I was, was like, basically like yeah. I was like, in this really stupid moment where I'm like, damn, did they just reuse the model for <laughs> Mr. Snatcher? And then the uh, reveal, I was like, oh, nice okay <laughs> oh i have um, a correction i called it claymation earlier and it's not claymation it's 3d stop motion animation oh it's, uh, it's not the things that they used were not clay i think they're like 3d printed or they're ceramic canceled i know not traditional. my my None. little aside is the first time i saw anything for this film was actually in the uh, art museum the art studio where they had the kids and families they they did mm -hmm. stop motion there they had little ipads uh, where you cool. could take take a bunch of little pictures and they had like little figures the, you could do so kids could come neat. in and make their own little videos um, like it was that. a little app but then in the corner they had the uh, ending credits for box trolls where he's like wondering about like existence and he's like well what if it was just a giant man moving us and it was like that video demonstrating stop motion for like the kids in the studio so. I didn't watch that. So there's like a post credit thing where, where that. Oh, I it's very cute. It's very good. I didn't yeah. see that because they started playing the ticky tacky song and I immediately shut it off because I hate that song. <laughs> oh, because first of all, why would you choose that for this movie? Exactly. The theme of the song is like this very ironic look at, oh, these, this society is just full of mindless drones. Yes. Where it's like we just watched an entire movie about like, oh, these setting your boxes. Actually, yeah, these monsters are actually like lovely. And, and then here's a cool. Here's and they an all epic have unique remix. personalities and they're mm -hmm. able to like shed their sheepishness. Right. But I think it's a, a like a thing where they just take like they have like a modern song. Uh, mm -hmm. They do While My Guitar Gently Weeps mm -hmm. for Kubo with a, a Shamisen rendition, which is pretty cool. It is. But anyway. Good. The, the the song in this one turned me off of it, so I'm like, oh no, I'm done. Yeah, it's after Damn, the song. I miss I missed the thing. It's just YouTube. It is is a it's a cute little scene. Well, um, if we were all controlled by a puppet master and we mm -hmm. call him God. And pretty much and, <laughs> and then this guy's like, hey, uh, it's like some dude with a beard. Also, you I've know, decided an animator an animator. Uh, uh oil can is my favorite because he just wants to ooh, fix things I, oil I can is good that's respect, what i respect. said earlier as well i just love how all he just lives to just he lives the oil baby and the sound like, of the oil can is my favorite doc 
yeah. Uh, yeah, in very, very he, Wizard like, of Oz. He, or he, did man, the, you know? he did the one band, one man band, and then like saw someone with like a wheel or something, and he's like, oh, and like ran after them. Yeah, like, like a guy. That's all he cares about. Like to well, be that like simple, like that's a life right there. Well, let's talk about. I don't. They, they never name him in the movie, but I called him panties because he's wearing a a clearly. Feminine undergarment it, box. It is. It is oil knickers. Um, knickers. I, I, I watched. Is with... it knickers? It's knickers. Yes. <laughs> it's panties. And no, panties. They should have went with uh, bloomer because that is where Bulma comes from from Dragon Ball. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, when they when they shed their boxes, when they shed their boxes and they're all naked, mm-hmm. he's wearing uh, underwear. Yeah. Oh, and right. that, and so it's like, ooh, he's he's got like a little a little secret. And probably came in the box. Yeah, I thought, he like, was, I thought that was shoe. No, I think it was. That, him. I well, mean, that makes more sense. Than I thought it no, Nickers. it was shoe. Shoe is. I'm almost. Pot- I felt like it was shoe was the one that he pulled out at the end, right? And then he had the underwear on. Yeah, I no, thought that I was think, shoe. I don't think so. No, I think she it was has hair. Yeah, and, and I thought that was the one. Have that... any hair. Oh, Let's oh, go oh, to the video. The See, I didn't. I didn't know because. All box trolls look the same to me. <laughs> I think that that character, oh. the underwear character, raised another question for me about box troll lore, which is, mm-hmm. do they age? And yeah, like where do they come from? I guess is so uh-huh. like because because Old that character round. seems to be older. Yeah, yeah, budding, the budding. Nickers character seems to be like older than the rest of them. Call them panties. <laughs> no, you gotta just call it panties. Um, call them panties. And fish, when fish adopts eggs, fish doesn't seem to age at all yeah. over the course of, I think it's 10 years. I think fish is supposed to be like, or eggs is supposed to be 10 or 11 by the time most of this movie plot takes place. So over that time, uh, fish doesn't seem to age at all. None, but some of them do seem to be older. Fragile is mm. old. Um, there's the one with the dentures who also seems Sweets. to be old. Or may, yeah, I guess maybe he just has Because he likes cavities. I think, I think he just puts yeah. the dentures in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it just raised the question for me like who are your like are you a family unit who are your parents where did you come from where did you <laughs> who's your dad i i yeah, do love your dad i do love Is that he rich like me <laughs> I meet what does that he dad. do um want to I, meet that dad. i do love that like each one of the box trolls like very clearly had a lot of uh tlc put into their like characters where it's like all right this one's name is is sweets how do I how do I show who Sweets is and that he likes sweets and it's like he doesn't have any fucking teeth anymore because he ate all the candy. <laughs> yeah. I just assumed he had teeth and he put the dentures on over them. They give him a weird he, like chimpanzee face. He he makes the, the gummy talk later though. Uh okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Damn. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, they're really thinking about it. You're right, Jeremy, that there's so much care put into the characterization of every part of those of the trolls and i think that the way that that's most shown to me in this movie is in the very beginning when we first see the box trolls come out into the street and before we know anything about them they just have these like glowing yellow eyes and they're digging through the trash and there's a scene where the frame is just like there's it's clearly inside a trash can we see sort of a layer of trash at the bottom and we see fish's hands and we see him sort of like poking through the trash and so he like touches a fish head and he's like and then he touches an Mm. apple core and he's like and he sort of digs through until he pulls out something like a clock or something that was a clock yeah yeah, the alarm clock yeah 
but even Throw just work. the the emotive nature of the hands the way that they mm-hmm. animate the hands to express you know that they're not just they're not just like bottom feeders they they're discerning there's a thing that they're here to do they have, uh, yeah. and i was that's, like wow that's really this clever is, right this mm-hmm. is so and i think that that's part of what makes you know obviously in a movie where you produce content at a rate of like two minutes of film per week or something mm-hmm. you know you have to be intentional with the way that you frame everything because it's all you know every second matters you have to be telling some kind of story right there's no you can't just like waste a shot like everything has to be framed with great intentionality and i think that that's part of what makes this story so compelling is that there's nothing there are no jokes that are throwaways really Mm -hmm. there are no lines that are superfluous like everything serves the plot in like a very tight fast-paced manner no there's no part of this movie that feels slow to me I, and that's why I like you know like a films and other stop motion films and i think it's because of the the pressure that they have to make every moment count and it makes these really tight scripts where they're all there's just jokes packed on top of jokes and and even if uh, because even animating speech is going to take time and be expensive and just having a character standing there talking is a waste in some form you might as well have them be talking and doing something at the same time so you're just finding ways to pack in that characterization i was just double checking real quick because i hadn't heard anything about this film since like the previews and i'm like what is box rolls like yeah, it's a family did it film. happen did yeah. it happen like uh what, <laughs> yeah. what is this 60 million that i definitely like caught my attention and then i never heard from it again like after it came out 60 million dollar budget i was worried that it didn't do well it did 108 million so it it was successful okay. in that it turned to profit it did it, it wasn't a flop i will that. say leica has always been oh here we go here we go mm-hmm. leica has always been the nikola tesla of animation and that they're always putting out these ingenious things, but are forgotten in favor of Minion. Mm-hmm. At least uh, until right. a, uh, uh, someone adopts your name uh, for their, their crappy electric car company. Like Yeah, exactly. Years so, later. Like, so like they're making all this technology like that forwards the medium, but then like uh, Minion's Fart 3, uh, mm-hmm. the Minion attack. Or the emoji movie. They'll buy it out. Yeah. The emoji movie. I remember right. after Kubo came out, because I watched Kubo and I... I fucking love kubo um it's one of the only oban movies uh that i think americans would know i remember watching that and the news coming out that like it didn't make any money um and so the idea was that like they always or Leica always makes cult hits and that like movies that no one watches and then five years later when it can't make a difference they're like damn this movie is really good right and that's it's really sad i think recently they've uh gotten more prominent so i like that and i want to see more well, Leica's run on Nike money, right? So, oh God, come on! If they got <laughs> that, as long as they have their creative freedom, they can afford to fail a little bit. Mm-hmm. As long as they got their creative freedom, that's all that matters. As long as yeah, they got, exactly. If they got Daddy Warbucks behind them. Cool. Yeah, yeah they can waste as much money as as you need. Um, mm-hmm. That's like that, what other Holly? Have you seen all the Leica films? Have you seen? I have. Uh, I have. How is the Bigfoot one? Um, I did. There's a Bigfoot one. I forgot they did a Bigfoot one. There Maybe. is. It's their most recent. It's called The Missing Link. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I thought that it was so. So Box Trolls is my favorite Leica movie. My second favorite Leica movie is Paranorman. 
Not which is about uh, like a middle schooler who can talk to ghosts and is bullied for it. <laughs> like Danny Phantom, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Phantom was like an emo kid who was only not cool. Yeah, didn't have a cool goth GF. Also, uh, Paranorman takes place in uh, sort of an analogous fantasy town to Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's <laughs> my Hometown heart for that reason also. Yeah. Yeah. My ranking of the Leica movies is sort of is Box Trolls, Paranorman, Coraline, Kubo, Missing Link, which I know I'm sure even rankles with you. But I I think that Missing Link is it's a beautiful movie. It's very lovingly made. It has excellent, excellent acting, beautiful textures. I just thought that the story was a little bit weak. And when you look at a movie like Box Trolls, where the story is like really tight and Coraline is based on a, a Neil Gaiman book so mm-hmm. also the writing there is very tight and so it's you know I think that maybe there's a little difference between sort of a, a written at home script with no base content and like something that's already a very successful it's a little less uh Marxist uh utopian revolution too yeah either. it doesn't have the like revolution component it's a little more of an mm. individualist narrative missing link but um it's a mm. it's a I do recommend it you know I recommend any like a movie they're all they're, yeah they're all gems. So. and like if you're you know if the if the sort of content that you're being offered is like the emoji movie Sonic Minions right. to the fart apocalypse like <laughs> secret life of pets oh, yeah, you know dude it's worth it to just sort of sit down and really be like, yes, you know, I'm going to consume something that was made with like a lot of care and art and intention, which isn't to say that the people who worked on the minions franchise Mm. aren't artists. They are, I guess. They're all artists. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, what do you use? It's management. It's capital. Much like, much like the goon, the henchmen in the movie, they're using their powers to get paid to survive. (laughs) Right. Just like uh, me. Um, uh, in in a hatless society, right? Winnie is free to practice her art, even though it's terrible. That's true. This is and what we could have, right? It. Her dad yeah, suddenly is a good parent now that yeah. he doesn't have it's not uh, any class status. He's uh, he has healed all of his wounds and is capable of love. He's no longer chasing the cheese, baby. And now he's uh, I don't know, living in the his moment. Daughters. Very distressing theater career at her one woman show. Any other big uh, moments? Yeah, what are our takeaways? Uh, This was the first Leica movie I'd ever seen, and I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna watch another one. Go watch only one. So you guys got to pick which one I'm gonna watch next. Halloween's coming up, so Paranorman's going to be a good fit for that. Just so. watch, uh, just well, you got the Neil Gaiman uh, tie-in with Coraline. Oh yeah, Coraline's uh, also a big Halloween movie. Very specific. yeah, yeah. Oh man, now, now I want Kubo. them to make a a, a graveyard book, uh, the Gaiman book about that's the Jungle Book, but it's a kid in a graveyard. <laughs> I want that made by Leica. I think that'd be dope. Well, um, what would be the? You should watch nah, Wallace nah. and Gromit. <laughs> Wallace and Gromit is also. I mean, they go to the moon, which is also made of cheese. <laughs> oh, chicken wait. run, baby! Chicken, <gasps> chicken Fuck run. Fuck yeah, have chicken to watch run! Chicken run. Chicken run is also a proletariat narrative. It, it is. is. Chicken run was the first movie I watched on DVD. The chickens I, are revolting, starring I, an absolutely not problematic. I used Mel to have that. I think. I don't want to be a pie. I don't know if I really have any more. I want to like, be exploited for thoughts. my labor. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I said everything. It's a good yeah, movie. like it's. I enjoyed the movie. 
I had a lot of moments where I was like their scenes or, or jokes made me, made me think at the moment. Uh, but I think I've pretty much, yeah, I don't know. No, it's I good. Enjoyed I, it. I never would have watched this film otherwise. So good pick, Colin. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you all it's, for it's watching a movie that film. I've wanted to see. And I'm glad Holly, like, cause it's just like probably one that I never would have watched. Cause it's not available. Now I want to go on a Lyco run. You know? too. Yeah. Well now yeah. folks, the troll is out of the box. And we I need to watch his, Kubo. His little ass. Kubo. <laughs>